Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hi, it's the Reading Bug, here to tell you that today's episode of Reading Bug Adventures is sponsored by Familius Publishing and their spectacular books, Let's Make Yoga Magic, written by Heather Leah and illustrated by Sandy Sonke. And She Spoke, 14 Women Who Raised Their Voices and Changed the World, by Kathy McMillan and Manuela Bernardi, and illustrated by Catherine Hanesta. Help support our sponsor and get these books and more at thereadingbug.com or your local independent bookstore. Familius, helping families be happy. Hello, reader. Welcome to another Reading Bug Adventure. This week, it's a bonus full-story episode of our Antarctic adventure, an exciting trip to the South Pole to visit the penguin colonies there. Thank you for listening. Reading Bug Adventures is created, written, and produced by The Reading Bug, our family-owned children's bookstore. Before we get started, I want to remind you that summer is just around the corner. And if you'd like to inspire a lifelong love of reading through the summer break, visit readingbugbox.com to find our special summer reading bug box promotion. For three months, our expert bookstore staff and I will handpick the very best books for every child based on their unique age, interests, and reading level. Each box includes fun summer games, ideas, and gifts to complement the book selections. Every Reading Bug Box is perfectly personalized, so no matter what, Reading Bug Box is bound to be a hit. Visit us now at readingbugbox.com. You can also learn all about us and our family-owned independent bookstore at thereadingbug.com, where we offer free delivery across the U.S. on any orders greater than $25. And finally, before our adventure begins, I have a few people to thank. Reading Bug Adventures is mixed and mastered by Resonate Recordings and made possible by our sponsors and by listeners like you. Thank you to our newest patrons, Mallory and Hannah. And if you'd like to find out how you can help support the work we're doing, please visit our page at patreon.com. You can also help by taking a quick second to rate our podcast and leave a review. Thanks to all our patrons for your support. Okay, reader, are you ready for an Antarctic adventure? Me too. Let's flap our wings together and fly. It's time for a Reading Bug Adventure. It's a Reading Bug Adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper and your imaginations too. The Reading Bug and I can't wait to share our trip. Hello again, reader. It's so great to see you. I'm Lauren, and if we haven't met on one of our adventures before, it's really wonderful to meet you today. I hope you're excited and ready for today's adventure. I know I am. Although I really have no idea where we'll be adventuring together today. Oh, and look, here comes the reading bug now with her book bag full of amazing books. Hi, reading bug. Oh, hello, Lauren. Hi, reader. I'm really eager to share today's adventure with you. Do you have any guesses where we might be going? Reading Bug, Lauren, Reader! Oh good, you're all here. I really need your help. Dr. Patel? Is that you? Yes, 
Yes, of course it's me. Well, hello. What are you doing here? Reader, do you remember Dr. Patel from our incredible and scary dinosaur adventure? He's a paleontologist, a scientist that studies fossils, and he's a really good friend. Dr. Patel, what on earth are you doing here? Of course, we'd be happy to help you, but we're just about to set off on another adventure together. Can it wait? No, I'm sorry. This really can't wait. We need to go now. Go now? Dr. Patel, I'm afraid we didn't plan on traveling back in time to the age of the dinosaurs again today. We don't have the right supplies. And besides, the books in my book bag don't have anything to do with dinosaurs, pterodons, or any of the prehistoric creatures. No, no, no. I don't need your help traveling back in time again. As much as I love dinosaurs, I'm not even sure I'm ready to go toe to toe with the nasty T Rex again. No, I need your help with something that's happening right now in Antarctica. Antarctica? That's. Yes, yes, Antarctica. But we have to move quickly. And the only way I know to get there is in your book bag, Reading Bug. Okay. Just slow down a second, Dr. Patel. I'm not sure I understand. I've been doing some reading about Antarctica. And in Polar, a foticular book by Dan Kanan and Carol Kaufman, I read that the largest, in fact, the only land animal that lives there is an insect. A little bug that's no bigger than the size of a sharp point on the tip of a pencil. Why would a paleontologist that studies great big dinosaurs need to go to Antarctica? Reading bug, you're right, as usual. There are no large land animals living in Antarctica today, but millions and millions of years ago, Antarctica was part of a giant continent that scientists call Gondwana. Gondwana included parts of what is now Africa, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, India, and Antarctica. About 200 million years ago, Gondwana began to break into different continents and islands. Antarctica split off and started drifting farther and farther south. The farther south it drifted, the colder it got. And so finally, all the trees and animals on Antarctica completely disappeared. I'm afraid I'm not following, Dr. Patel. What does all this have to do with paleontology? I'm getting there. No large land animals live in Antarctica now. But millions of years ago, lots of dinosaurs lived on Gondwana. And the fossils of the dinosaurs that once roamed Gondwana did not disappear. In fact, the ice that covers Antarctica protected the fossils, so they're in really good condition. And there's just been a new discovery. A team of scientists found the fossils of a duck-billed dinosaur known as a hadrosaur on a small island off the coast of Antarctica. Scientists have also found fossils of giant penguins that were almost six feet tall. That's taller than me! that lived over six million years ago. I need to get to Antarctica quickly to see these amazing discoveries and help with the excavation and preservation of the fossils. Can you help me? That does sound amazing, Dr. Patel. But I don't know. We had plans for an adventure together today. The Reading Bug, our reader friend, and I were really looking forward to traveling to wherever the books in the Reading Bug's magic book bag were going to take us. Wait just a second, Lauren. Before we make a decision on whether or not to help Dr. Patel get to Antarctica today, I think I should tell you the names of some of the books in my book bag, okay? Uh, sure, Reading Bug, if you think that will help us make a decision. Oh, yes. I think it will really help. 
Some of the books in my book bag today are Little Penguin Has the Hiccups by Tag Benley, Tacky the Penguin by Helen Lester, Penguin Problems by Jory John, and The Eve of the Emperor Penguin by Mary Pope Osborne. Books, books about, about penguins? penguins? I've only ever seen penguins in the zoo. What a wonderful adventure to go visit penguins in their natural habitat. I'm sorry, Dr. Patel. Today's adventure sounds just too good to pass up. But... Wait, where do penguins live anyway? The North Pole? <laughs> nope. They don't live at the North Pole. Penguins are only found south of the equator. The equator? Yes. The equator is an imaginary line that is drawn around the middle of the Earth. The half of the Earth that is above the equator is the Northern Hemisphere. And the half that is below the equator is the Southern Hemisphere. The North Pole is at the very top of the Northern Hemisphere, and the South Pole is at the very bottom of the Southern Hemisphere, on the continent of... Antarctica! Antarctica? Really? You mean that we were already planning a trip to Antarctica for our adventure today? Yes, yes, yes! I was planning an Antarctic adventure all along! So, we can go on our adventure and help our friend Dr. Patel get to the fossil excavation site. See? Here are some of the other books I brought for our adventure. Arctic and the Antarctic by Anne Schreiber, Penguin Chick by Betty Tatham, and Survival Tales, Endurance in Antarctica by Katrina Charman. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get this adventure started. Just a second, Dr. Patel. Reader, Antarctica is one of the most desolate and dangerous places on Earth. Temperatures can be as low as minus 50 degrees. That's really, really cold. And dangerous snow and windstorms can surprise and overwhelm travelers. We're going to need to stay alert and be prepared for everything. That's right, Reading Bug. Why don't we all stretch out together to make sure we're ready for today's adventure? You too, Dr. Patel. That's it. Everybody stand up, unless you're buckled into your car, and wiggle your fingers and toes. Are you wiggling? Great. Now, stretch your arms up high over your head. Perfect. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side, let's get ready to go. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side, now we're ready to go. You were right, Reading Bug. That really helped. I feel great and ready for an adventure. Now, time to go? Almost, Dr. Patel. One more thing. Reader, did you remember to bring crayons and paper with you today so you can draw illustrations of all the spectacular things we encounter on our journey? Illustrators draw the pictures in the books we read. And just like them, you can draw pictures of what we see and do on our adventure today. You can draw anything you want, and your illustrations will help you retell our story to your friends and family when we return. We'll take a bit of time to listen to the music and draw illustrations at the end of the adventure, but you're welcome to stop and draw at any time. To give yourself time to color, just pause the podcast. Then press play again when you're ready to continue. I can't wait to see all the pictures you'll draw. If you didn't remember to bring crayons and paper, don't worry. Just press pause or have a grown-up do it for you and get them now. The reading bug and I will wait right here for you. Great! 
After our dinosaur adventure together, I remembered my crayons and paper today, especially the white and black crayons. White for all the snow, and black for the penguins that live all over Antarctica. Okay, is everybody ready? We're setting off today for an Antarctic adventure, where the temperatures are cold and there's dangerous weather. We'll all remain cautious and careful today as we visit the penguins at home where they play. Dr. Patel, reader, look. The reading bug is opening up her book bag and it's growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Big enough to fit us all inside. Incredible. Look inside. There are flashing lights and words and pictures swirling all around. Yes. Those are from all the books about Antarctica and penguins that the reading bug brought with her in her magic book bag. I don't see many people, but I do see lots and lots of sea animals swirling by, like a gigantic elephant seal and a long, thin leopard seal. I see whales, giant glaciers, and icebreakers, ships designed to break through the thick ice. And I see awkward-looking albatrosses and other big flying birds. But most of all, I see penguins, lots and lots of penguins, in all sizes, big, medium, and small. They're all mostly black and white, but look, some of them have a thin black stripe under their chins, and some others have orange bills or a festive crest of yellow feathers on their heads. And they're all floating around in the icy ocean or the deep white snow. Okay, everyone, it's time to flap your bug wings. Let's fly! Hop three times with me, then into my book bag. Here we go. One hop, two hops, three hops, and we're in. Let's jump inside our book bag. What will we find there? Imaginations run away. What's in our book bag? Our trusty book bag. What will we learn about today? Here we go. Look what's happening, reader. Say goodbye to our little town now. Everything is getting smaller and smaller as we soar higher and higher above the ground and way up above the clouds, just like an airplane. Look at the land and the ocean below us, reader, as we head further and further south, past the equator, and on towards the South Pole. Everything is getting whiter and whiter. That must be all the ice and snow as the temperatures get lower and lower and lower. Hey, look! What's that up ahead? I didn't think anyone actually lived in Antarctica, but it sure does look like we're approaching a small town in the middle of all the white snow, doesn't it? Whatever that place is, it looks like it's where we're going to land. Everyone hold on! I think we've landed. Oh, brrr. We haven't even left the book bag yet, but I can feel that it's much much colder here. Can't you? Hmm. We're not really dressed for cold weather, are we, reader? Let's all climb out of the book bag and see where we are. If it's too cold for us out there, we'll need to quickly hop back inside the book bag, okay? Okay. Where are we? I was expecting snow and wind and penguins, but it looks like we're inside. It sure does. But that's probably a good thing. Look out the window in front of us, reader. It looks really cold out there. There's snow everywhere, and it's pretty dark out, but not yet night. 
almost like after dinner time at home. Look, I see two people walking by, and they're both dressed in big red jackets and lots of warm clothes. And they're walking quickly, like they can't wait to get back inside again. Yes, it's definitely a good thing the book bag landed us inside. But where are we? Hmm, I'm not sure. Come over to the window and take a look. I think we've landed in the middle of a small town. There are other buildings around us, and to our right. I see a few cars, some big trucks with treads instead of tires, and a lot of snowmobiles. Over there to our left, I think I see a harbor with several unusual looking boats docked in the icy water. A dock, huh? I think I know where we are then. Yes! We must have landed in the McMurdo Station. It's the largest research station in Antarctica and the hub of the United States Antarctic Program. Even though the weather in Antarctica is harsh, about 250 hardy people, mostly scientists, live here during the winter. And in the summer, the population grows to over 1,200 people. And you're right, it is cold here, but probably not as cold as it could be. You see, this time of year, we're just heading into the winter months in Antarctica. But Dr. Patel, it's right before summer. Not in Antarctica, Lauren. The seasons north of the equator, where we live, are opposite of those down here in the southern hemisphere. So when it's summer at home, it's winter here in Antarctica? How strange. Why? It's because the Earth's axis of rotation is tilted. It takes one whole year for the Earth to rotate around the sun. For six months, the Earth is on one side of the sun, and the sun shines more on the northern hemisphere. Then, when the Earth is on the other side of the sun for the next six months, the sun shines more on the southern hemisphere. Wherever the sun is shining more, it's summertime. I see. So even though it's springtime at home in the northern hemisphere, it's the beginning of autumn here in Antarctica. That's right. And that's why your magic book bag was the only way I could get here. Airplanes can't fly to Antarctica between March and November because it gets so cold that the airplane fuel can freeze. The days are getting shorter and by June 21st, it will be nighttime for the following three months. In the summertime, the sun never sets in Antarctica. It's sunny all day and all night. But in the winter, the sun never rises. It's completely dark. Because it's still autumn right now, the days are very short, but there are still a few hours of sunlight each day. Uh-oh. Reader, Lauren, Dr. Patel, look. Two people are walking toward this building. I think we're about to be discovered here. Oh, my. You startled me. I didn't know anyone else was joining us on this expedition. Hey, wait. I don't recognize you. What are all you doing in here? Oh, hello. We're so sorry to startle you. My name is Lauren, and this is the reading bug and our reader friend. And this is our friend, Dr. Patel. Dr. Patel? Mark? Mark Patel, is that you? Yes. Jessica? I mean, Dr. Miller? I can't believe it. I haven't seen you in years. Well, I have been spending a lot of time at McMurdo with the penguins. Yes, yes, of course. Lauren, reader, reading bug, this is my good friend. Dr. Jessica Miller. Dr. Miller is a marine biologist, and she studies emperor penguins here in Antarctica. 
You do? How great! We're here on an adventure to see the penguins. How lucky are we to run into you? Maybe you can help point us in the right direction. I can do you one better if you're ready to go right now. I can take you to the penguins. I'm heading out to see them right now because I'm afraid there may be a problem. You see, during the month of March, emperor penguins migrate nearly 100 miles to reach this place called a rookery, where they lay and care for their eggs. Every year, the penguins need to take a different path to their rookery because the ice in Antarctica is constantly moving and changing and recently melting faster and faster. We've lost track of some of the penguins from a nearby colony, though. We don't know where they've gone, and I'm afraid they may be in danger. So I was just about to head out and look for them. Do you want to come? Of course we want to come with you. What a wonderful opportunity. And we'd be glad to help in any way possible. Great. Out in the cold and wind of Antarctica, especially when it's getting darker and darker, it's good to have a few buddies to help keep each other safe. But first things first, we need to get you dressed for this adventure. Your clothes simply won't keep you warm enough for the sub-freezing temperatures in the cold of Antarctica. You'll need a lot more clothing if you want to stay warm. Antarctica is much colder than any place you've ever visited. In fact, Antarctica is the coldest place on Earth, even in the summer. During the winter, a person who walks outside dressed in ordinary clothes like yours couldn't survive for more than 90 seconds. I read that Antarctica is not only the coldest place on Earth, it is also the windiest. And it is the driest place on Earth, too, because wind dries out the air. So even though Antarctica is covered in snow, it is actually a desert. Is that right? That is right, Bug. I guess you can see now why you'll need all these clothes. Okay, first, you need to put on this long underwear. It will cover your arms, legs, and body and help keep your body heat inside. Go ahead and slip the long underwear on now. You look pretty funny, Reader. Almost like you're wearing onesie pajamas. That's right, but it doesn't matter how funny you look, just that you're warm. Next, you'll need to step into these wind pants. They are specially made to protect your legs from the wind and snow. Great! Now, let's zip into this special red parka that all the scientists and visitors to Antarctica wear, just like mine. These super warm jackets help protect us from the elements and are easy to see against the white snow. Oh, that is warm. I sure am glad we found you, Dr. Miller. Okay, these last bits of clothing are probably the most important. First, slip into these warm thermal socks and then put on these special boots. We call them bunny boots. <laughs> bunny boots? Why do you call them bunny boots? Great question. It's because the boots are large, round, and white. So some people think they look like rabbit's feet. Because they are very warm and inexpensive, they are the most common boots in Antarctica. Go ahead, put them on. Perfect. Now we'll need to attach metal crampons to the bottom of the boots. Crampons have small metal spikes to keep you from slipping when you're walking on the ice. Wonderful. Put these knit caps on your head. They're nice warm ones that you can pull over your face if you need to keep your face warm. There are openings for your eyes so you can even pull the cap down to completely cover your face. And finally, put on these waterproof gloves to keep out the cold and the snow. This is a lot of clothing. But you do look like you'll stay warm. You're right, Reading Bug. There's nothing more important down here than staying warm. Okay, 
We're all dressed and ready to go help find the penguins, Dr. Miller. Are we going to walk? Oh no, we are much too far from the rookery to walk there. So Jonathan here is gonna take us to one of the station's land vehicles. Hi. Jonathan is an experienced ice driver, so we're in good hands. I'm afraid this is where I'll be leaving you, friends. I'm going to see if I can connect with the other paleontologists and make my way to the Hadrosaur excavation site. Dr. Miller, it was wonderful seeing you. Please take good care of my friends on their adventure today. And Reading Bug, Lauren, Reader, thank you for letting me hop into your book bag and join another adventure with you. Since we're about to head into the Antarctic winter, I may not see you all until the planes start flying again in the spring, and I can leave Antarctica. But I'm sure the excavation will keep me busy. Lauren, Reader, Reading Bug, thanks for the ride, and say hello to all the penguins for me. Goodbye, Dr. Patel. I'm glad we could help. Have a great stay in Antarctica. Goodbye, Mark. Stay safe. Okay, everyone, follow me to the Hagland, right this way. Hagland? That's a funny name. It's a pretty funny looking vehicle, too. The Hagland is bright yellow and looks a little bit like a tractor. But instead of regular wheels, there's a continuous band of metal track plates wrapped around what looks a little bit like flattened regular wheels. It also looks a little bit like a train, because there's a second vehicle attached to the first one. The Hagland was designed specifically for use in extreme climates like those in Antarctica. Tracked vehicles, like the Hagland, have greater mobility over the rough terrain than regular vehicles with rubber tires. The tracks smooth out the bumps, glide over small obstacles, and can even cross breaks in the ice. Unlike rubber tires, these continuous tracks can't be punctured or torn, and they are much less likely to get stuck in the mud or snow. Good! We really wouldn't want to get stuck in the snow in this freezing weather, would we? Dr. Miller, why does the Hagland have two separate cars? The first car is the engine. That's where the driver sits. Bye, Jonathan. Bye. You can reach me on the radio if you need me. The second car provides additional space for riders like us and for our supplies. Let's climb into the second car together and be on our way. I want to start looking for the lost penguins as quickly as possible. Weather here can turn on a dime. Great. Take your seats, buckle up, and we'll be on our way. Jonathan, we're ready to go. Roger that. This Hackland is a pretty noisy vehicle, but the ride is remarkably smooth, isn't it, Reader? Even though we're traveling over ice and snow, it feels more like we're riding in a boat with gentle swells underneath us. It is a pretty smooth ride, but it'll get a bit bumpier as we get out into the open ice. Right now, we're still passing through McMurdo Station, which is built on volcanic rock on Ross Island. It's the closest solid ground to the South Pole that you can reach by ship. That's important because everything needed for living at McMurdo needs to be shipped in on cargo ships or airplanes. Even water has to be shipped in. That's right, even though there is ice everywhere, there is no liquid fresh water at the South Pole. Yes, I read that millions of tons of supplies are brought to Antarctica every year and millions of tons of garbage are brought back to the U.S. to be disposed of. Exactly. That's why we have a harbor. Can you see it over there? There are several icebreaker ships docked there and a busy airport nearby. Even though we're on an island at McMurdo Station, we can get to the Antarctic mainland by crossing over the frozen ocean like we're doing now. Keep looking out the window for the lost emperor penguins as we drive. 
I'm hoping we'll be able to spot them pretty quickly. I read that there are 17 different types of penguins, and six of these live in and around Antarctica. But we're only looking for emperor penguins. How will we know the difference? Great question, Reading Bug. Emperor penguins are probably the best known penguins. They are also the largest penguins in the world. An emperor penguin is about four feet tall and weighs between 70 and 80 pounds. That's about the size of a second or third grader. Although penguins weigh a little bit more than kids because they store extra fat to survive the cold weather. Sadly, the emperor penguin population in Antarctica is getting smaller and smaller. It's possible that someday these amazing birds may become extinct. Oh no! What's making the emperor penguin population grow smaller and smaller, Dr. Miller? Well, since the 1950s, that's almost 70 years ago, Antarctica has been getting warmer and warmer. That means that there's less ice for the emperor penguins to nest on. Emperor penguins are also threatened by commercial fisheries, which reduce their food supply, and by human disturbances at their rookeries. So researchers like me are very careful not to interfere with the penguins and their habitat, even as we study them. I read that penguins in Antarctica aren't afraid of people because there are laws that protect penguins from being hunted by people. Right again, reading bug. In fact, we have to be careful not to get too close to the penguins because if we do, they are likely to rush up to get a better look at us. It's illegal for people to touch the penguins, so when we see them, we'll need to stay a reasonable distance away so that they don't try to make friends with us. Hey, look up ahead. Are those emperor penguins over there? Or are they another kind of penguin? They look a little bit too small and a little too gray to be emperor penguins. I think they are emperor penguins, reading bug. Young ones. It's a small group, about 20 of them. And you can see that some of their feathers are silvery gray color. Those are the soft down feathers that baby emperor penguins are born with. The gray feathers are only showing up in the patches because the young chicks are molting. Molting is when the gray baby feathers on their bodies are replaced with new black and white adult feathers. So those penguins are not babies, but they're still quite young. It looks like they're all alone, Dr. Miller. Is that normal? A small group of young penguins all alone like that? No, it's not normal at all, Lauren. Migrating penguins usually travel in groups of thousands, so something must be wrong for the children to be all alone like that. Jonathan, stop here. We're gonna hop out and see what's going on. Roger. Stay safe, everyone. Okay, everyone, remember, it's cold and dangerous out there, so let's all stay close together and walk slowly toward the penguins. We wanna be able to see if anything is wrong, but we don't wanna get too close. Maybe if we climb just to the top of the hill on our left, we can get a better look. Ready? Okay, everybody out. Wow, it's really cold out here. I'm going to stay cozy in the fold of your knit cap, Lauren. Ah, that's much better. You're right, reading bug. It is cold out here, even with all these warm clothes on. Reader, let's warm ourselves up with a little exercise. Join me and let's warm ourselves up just like a chilly penguin might. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Then we spin around. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Landing on the ground. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Then we spin around. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Landing on the ground. Okay, 
Once more, everybody, faster this time. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Then we spin around. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Landing on the ground. Whee! Oh, much better. I'm feeling warmer already. Great. Let's keep it that way. Remember, the weather here can change quickly. And we also don't want to stand still in any one place for too long, or we might start feeling the effects of the extreme weather. Keep on moving, everyone. Up the hill with me. Wow. It's pretty slippery climbing up this icy hill, isn't it, Reader? I don't think we could do this if we didn't have the spikes on our bottoms of our bunny boots. What were they called again? Crampons? That's right. You made it. Great work. And look, this is a much better view of the penguins. Just like we thought, there's a small group of young emperor penguins huddled closely together at the bottom of that large steep hill. But look, at the top of the hill are many, many more penguins. Hundreds, maybe even thousands of them, looking down at the small group below. You're right, Reading Bug. That's a lot of penguins. I see an enormous huddle of white and black with little splashes of orange scattered throughout, shining like tiny bits of gold. Emperor penguins have black backs, white bellies, and orange markings behind their eyes and at the top of their white chests. The orange markings are what look like gold dust in that crowd, and there could easily be thousands of penguins on the hill. Researchers have counted 40 different emperor penguin rookeries in Antarctica. Most of them are on solid sea ice, and the size of each of the rookeries can range from as small as 200 penguins to as large as 100,000 penguins. But why is that small group not joining the others? Is there something wrong? Yes, something is definitely wrong. Listen, can you hear the penguins above calling to the young penguins below? And look, the small group of penguins at the bottom are huddled closely together. I think they are trying to protect themselves from the bitter cold. Lauren, Reader, Dr. Miller, I think I know what the problem is. Remember what you said a little while ago about climbing up this hill? Sure that we wouldn't have been able to climb it without the crampons. Exactly. Those penguins don't have any crampons on their feet, do they? And that hill is easily twice as steep as the one we just climbed. So you think they can't get up the hill to join the rest of their colony? Exactly. They must have slipped into that steep ravine or have been pushed down there by the wind. But you're right, Reading Bug. I don't think they can climb out. And the rest of the penguins don't want to leave them behind. But why don't they just fly up the hill? They're birds, after all. They have wings. Not all birds can fly, Lauren. And penguins definitely can't fly. But they do have other unique and important skills. In Proud Penguin by Jamie Purnell, I read about a macaroni penguin who wanted to fly until he realized that other kinds of birds may be able to fly, but they can't swim in the sea like he can. If they can't fly, then how are they going to get up the hill? Reader, is there anything we can do to help? I see penguin families waddling close to the sea. Mama and Papa and Baby makes three. Penguins can't fly high up in the air, but they soar like eagles in the water down there. Little penguin calls to the birds up high. I can't fly like you up in the sky, but I'm happy, so happy, you see. I am the very best me I can be. Penguins use their wings to swim Like sharks and minnows both use their fins They glide like birds so quiet and still As they fill their tummies with 
with fish and krill. Little penguin calls to the birds up high. I can't fly like you up in the sky, but I'm happy, so happy, you see. I am the very best me I can be. Penguin chicks play on the ocean side. They hop and they tumble and they walk in straight lines. Baby chicks on their bellies slip into the sea. Sliding on ice so fast and free. Little penguin calls to the birds up high. I can't fly like you up in the sky, but I'm happy, so happy, you see. I am the very best me I can be. I am the very best me I can be. I am the very best me I can be. Reader, Reading Bug, Dr. Miller, we have to help them. Let's be the very best we can be and help them climb out. As scientists, we try to stay uninvolved in natural events, but... But they could die down there if they don't get out. They already look very, very cold, and I think the wind and snow are starting to pick up. You're right, Reading Bug. I think a storm is quickly approaching. And you're also right that we should help those poor penguins. But how? Remember, humans aren't allowed to touch them. Whatever we do, though, we're going to need to do it quickly. We do not want to be stuck in here if the weather gets any worse. Dr. Miller, do you copy? We have a storm approaching. I think you and your crew need to get back to the Hagland immediately. Lauren, Reading Bug, Reader, what do you want to do? Reader, it sounds like there's a dangerous storm approaching. And if the weather gets any colder, it could be really, really dangerous. But those poor little penguins need our help. They can't climb up out of the ravine to reach their parents. And unless we help them, they may never get out. If we hurry, I think we can beat the storm and help the babies. I think we have to try, don't you? Reader, can you help us figure out what to do next before it's too late? Great idea, Reading Bug. While we all think about what to do next, I'm going to pause our adventure for a brief message about today's sponsor. Don't go anywhere. The Reading Bug and I will be right back in just one minute. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Hi friends, are you looking for a storytime podcast with your littles? Something that has some great storytelling and maybe some conversation about it? Look no further. With Storytime with Philip and Mommy, my little guy Philip and I sit down every single day and read a story together. And we of course want you to join us. Grab your copy of the book, sit down, let's read it, and let's talk about it. We'll learn new words, we'll learn new ideas, and then we'll learn how we can use those stories in our lives. It's a lot of fun. Classics like Little Golden Books or Bernstein Bears, all the way up through the newest phenomenons like Bluey. We talk about them and we have a lot of laughs. It's a great time and we hope that you can come and join us. So please look for us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Storytime with Philip and Mommy. Thanks so much. We'll see you there. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Familias Publishing and their books, Let's Make Yoga Magic and She Spoke, 14 Women Who Raised Their Voices and Changed the World. Hum. What's that sound? Hum. Reading bug? Is that you? What are you doing? Oh, hi, Lauren. I'm just meditating after our big adventure today. I found the most beautiful and interactive kids yoga book out there. Let's Make Yoga Magic by Heather Leah and illustrated by Sandy Sonke. Look! Pull the levers and turn the wheel to interact with beautiful and magic yoga scenes. Yoga really helps me relax and get inspired for any adventure. Oh, me too. I also love to be inspired by stories of other people and their accomplishments. Oh, well then, I have another recommendation for you. She Spoke, 14 Women Who Raised Their Voices and Changed the World. Written by Kathy McMillan and Manuela Bernardi. Along with their inspirational stories and incredible artwork by Catherine Hanesta, you can actually hear the voices of women like Dr. Maya Angelou, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, Dr. Jane Goodall, and many more. Listen. I could go back to living in the forest, which is what I love. But how can I go and live in the forest when it's disappearing? And I feel that maybe there's something I can do. Thanks for the recommendations, Reading Bug. These are wonderful books, and the entire team at The Reading Bug is happy to recommend them to our listeners. Please support our sponsor, Familias Publishing, by buying Let's Make Yoga Magic and She Spoke, 14 Women Who Raised Their Voices and Changed the World at thereadingbug.com or your local independent bookstore. Thanks to Familias for all your support. Familias, helping families be happy. Hello, reader. You're back. And not a moment too soon. We're all going to need your help. Dr. Miller, do you copy? The storm is approaching quickly and it's bringing a lot of wind and snow with it. You and your crew need to get back to the Hagland immediately. There's a cold winter storm bearing down on us. So we need to think quickly. How can we save the young penguins and get ourselves quickly back to safety before the storm overtakes us? Reader, do you have any ideas? Sometimes, when we're out conducting research and having trouble climbing an icy hill, we use our ice picks and shovels to dig a few stairs into the hill. That makes it much easier for everyone else in the group to climb. If we can make it to the penguins and dig a few small stairs into the hill for them, maybe they'd be able to climb up to meet their parents. Great idea, Reading Bug. But we'll need to move quickly. The wind is really starting to pick up around us, and I'm starting to feel the cold even through all these clothes. This storm is coming on fast. Okay, everyone, follow me. First, we'll need to grab shovels from the side of the Hagland, so let's hurry back down the hill. In my experience, the fastest way down an icy hill is to slide down on our bumps. Ready? Lauren, reader, sit down on the ice like Dr. Miller and get ready to slide. Great. Okay, let's go. Great work. Now, everyone grab a shovel. Here. Jonathan, keep this Hagland running and warm for us. We're going to save those penguins, but we'll need to get warm in a hurry when we get back. Copy that. Okay, let's go. Everyone, stay close together. As the wind and snow pick up, it's going to become harder and harder to see. You do not want to get lost out here. That's why I have a compass, so we won't lose our way even if the visibility gets bad. A compass is a small device that has a magnetic needle that indicates direction by always pointing to the North Pole. The Hagland is southeast of us, 
So we should be okay even if we lose sight of our vehicle, as long as we use the compass to make sure that we head back in that direction. Oh boy, it is getting windier and the wind makes it feel much colder. Antarctica is the windiest place in the world. The winds can blow up to 200 miles per hour. That's like the winds and hurricanes that blow down houses. The good news is that I don't expect the winds to be anything close to that strong today, but that doesn't mean the storm isn't dangerous. I'm sure glad you brought that compass, Dr. Miller. It's getting harder and harder to see. It feels like someone spray painted the inside of my goggles white. I'm not even sure what I'm stepping on. The wind is blowing the snow on the ground, and that, combined with a touch of fog, is what is making everything so white. We call this kind of weather a whiteout, because everything looks like it's covered in a white blanket with no distinguishable features. Stay close. You don't want to get lost out here, or be out here without my compass. Reader, keep really close to me, okay? I don't want to lose sight of your bright red jacket in this weather. The wind is really picking up now. We made it! Remember, touching the penguins is a no-no. Hopefully, though, they'll be able to see what we're doing and follow us up the hill. Look, Reader, these little penguins look scared and cold. Don't worry, little guys, we're here to help. Dig your crampons into the ice and climb up the hill with me. That's it. Now, everyone, take your shovels and start digging. We want to create a stair that's big enough for the penguins to stand on, about a foot long and a foot wide. Great work. I think that should work. I'll climb up ahead and make two stairs at the top of the hill. Can you make one more a few feet above that? Sure, Dr. Miller. Hurry, reader. The wind is really whipping through now, and a heavy snow is beginning to fall. I can barely see the Hagland anymore. We've got to finish up. Let's climb a few feet up the hill together. Here, hold my hand so we don't slip and fall. Great! Now, let's dig one more step. Great work! Now, where's Dr. Miller? I can't see her anywhere. Dr. Miller, where are you? We've got to get, get, get back. I'm right here. I just finished digging two more steps above yours. And look, it's working. The young penguins are starting to use our staircase to climb the hill to their parents. But we don't have time to watch. We need to get back now. The storm is right on top of us. Let me use the compass. Let's see. Southeast. The way back to the Hagland is this way. Grab the back of my jacket so we don't get separated. It's really tough walking in this wind. Dr. Miller, I'm not sure I can keep walking. I'm getting so cold. I'm afraid I'll step in a crack in the ice and get stuck. Lauren, are you okay? You're starting to sound a little funny and... Whoa! I don't think that this whiteout will last too long. We've already taken some of the most important steps to survive it. Now the most important thing we can do is stay calm. I can't see the weeding bug. What's wrong with me? I can't, can't talk. Lauren, don't. 
panic. You have the umbles. That's Antarctica talk for when a person starts mumbling or stumbling. Those are signs that you are getting hypothermia. In other words, your body is getting too cold to survive. Don't worry though, we're almost at the Hagland. Just a little farther. Reader, quickly, help Lauren inside. Jonathan, we made it back, but Lauren has the umbles, so please keep it as warm as possible back here. Roger that. Lauren, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Don't worry, Lauren. We're going to get you through this. I've got to get you warm as soon as possible. Let's get Lauren's blood moving with a quick warm-up exercise. What was that song Lauren sang earlier? The penguin waddle? Lauren, reader, do the movements with me. I think it went something like this. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Then we spin around. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Landing on the ground. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Then we spin around. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Landing on the ground. Great job, Lauren. How are you feeling? Mm. Mm. Not warm enough yet. So let's try swinging our arms from left to right to really get that blood moving. Swing them with me 10 times now. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Great work. Now let's try that penguin waddle again. Lauren, think you can sing with me this time? Yes, I'm starting to feel better, Dr. Miller. Great, all together. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Then we spin around. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Landing on the ground. Thank you, Dr. Miller. I'm beginning to feel better. Let's try again, together. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Then we spin around. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Landing on the ground. That was really scary. But thanks to you and Reader here, I'm starting to warm up again. Let's try one more time, faster now. Reader, sing along and do the moves with me. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Then we spin around. Jump, jump, waddle, waddle, shake, shake, shake. Landing on the ground, Whee! Lauren, you're starting to look like your old self again. I'm starting to feel like my old self too. Thank you. But wait. Did the reading bug make it back to the Hagland with us? Reading bug? Reading bug? Dr. Miller, when we were out in the storm, I'm afraid the reading bug may have gotten swept up by the wind. I don't think she made it back here with us. We've got to get back out there and find her. Finding a teeny bug in the middle of Antarctica is a little like trying to find a needle in a haystack. The only good news is that the whiteout conditions seem to be lessening. Look out the window. I can see our surroundings again. And out there in front of us, I can see the young penguins finishing the climb up the hill to their parents. Can you see them too, reader? Oh, but I don't see any sign of the reading bug. Wait, what's that? I think, 
I think it's one of the young penguins, and he's coming right this way. He looks pretty funny, with a mohawk of those downy gray feathers running down his head and back. What's he doing walking away from his friends? I don't know, but we don't want little Mohawk to leave his family to come see us. He may never catch back up with the rest of the colony. Look, reader, little Mohawk is getting closer and closer to the Hagland and farther and farther away from his family and friends. Wait, now he's stopped a few feet away from us. Maybe he'll turn back around. No, he's just standing there and looking down at his belly. And now he's reaching into what looks like a pouch right under his belly and between his legs and straightening up again with something in his beak. What is that? Lauren, look, that's the reading bug. You're right, Dr. Miller. Quickly, open the door and let her in. Reading bug, reading bug, we thought we'd lost you. Are you okay? Hi, Lauren, reader, and Dr. Miller. I'm just fine. Let me introduce you to my friend Mohawk. He really saved the day. When I popped out of Lauren's hat to check on her, the wind blew me all the way back to the group of young penguins and dropped me into the snow right in front of Mohawk, where it was really, really cold. I was so cold that my teeth would have been chattering if ladybugs had teeth. But Mohawk here knew exactly what to do. He picked me up gently with his beak and tucked me into the brood patch on his belly, where it was very snug and warm. I warmed back up almost immediately, and then Mohawk started waddling up the hill to take me back to you. What a remarkable experience, Reading Bug. Unlike most birds, including most penguins, male emperor penguins incubate the eggs that the female penguins lay. Incubate means that they keep the eggs warm until they hatch, and they do this by gently placing the egg in a little pouch in the skin under their bellies. When Mohawk saw that you were cold, Reading Bug, he knew that he could keep you warm by placing you in his brood pouch. What a smart little chick you are. Wait. Did you say the bother penguins take care of the eggs, Dr. Miller? I thought that female birds always sat on the eggs. Not always, Lauren. Sometimes birds share nesting duties. For example, female sandpipers, pigeons, and doves sit on their eggs at night, but the males sit on the eggs during the day. Most penguins also share egg nesting duties, but the male emperor penguins have 100% of the incubation duties, taking care of the eggs for over 60 days until they hatch. And while they're keeping the eggs cozy and warm, the female penguins return to the ocean to feed. Well, taking care of the eggs can't be too hard, right? Wrong, Lauren. Taking care of penguin eggs in the middle of an Antarctic winter is very hard. As the winds howl and the temperature drops, the males huddle into a circle to try to keep warm. They shift around all the time so that the males on the outer edges of the circle can change places with the warmer males in the center of the circle. When they walk, the males have to be extremely careful to keep the egg between their feet and the brood patch or else the egg will freeze. The eggs are in danger of freezing? That's right, so keeping them warm is a very difficult task. Did you know that the male penguins are so busy taking care of their eggs that they don't eat at all and they lose almost 40% of their body weight before the female penguins return? When they do get back, the male birds pass the eggs to the females and then they head to the sea to feed while the eggs hatch with the mothers. The fathers are away when the babies hatch? Yes, they need to eat after all those weeks caring for the eggs, but they do return about six weeks after the eggs hatch, and the mother and father penguins take care of their baby chicks together for the next seven weeks. During this period, the chicks still need constant care. The weather is so cold that if they are left alone for even two minutes, they will freeze. 
Wow. Mohawk, even though you're so young, you've had an exciting and dangerous life so far. Thank you so much for returning me to my friends. But now you are all alone, far away from your friends and family. You need to rejoin your colony so you can stay warm as winter gets closer and closer. Little penguins don't walk very fast, so you need to head back to your colony right away. Yes, Mohawk. We'd love to keep you, but that's not allowed. You're a part of a protected species, and we can't take you home or anywhere else. So go on now. Shoo! Back to your family. Dr. Miller, reader, Mohawk isn't going anywhere. He's just standing there and staring at us. Oh, it's just like in Lost and Found by Oliver Jeffers. You're right. And I'm afraid that if we don't get him to turn around right now and follow the rest of his colony, he'll lose them forever. Being all alone in Antarctica is really dangerous for a young penguin. Penguins, especially the young ones, face danger from predators like sharks, killer whales, and leopard seals. Mohawk needs the protection of the other emperor penguins if he's gonna survive out here. Reader, what do you think we can do to get little Mohawk here to go back to his family? We've got to think quickly so he doesn't lose them forever. After saving me, Mohawk and I are really good friends. Maybe he'll follow me back to his colony. But you can't go out there alone, Reading Bug. It's too cold for a little ladybug like you. And we don't want to lose you to the gust of wind again. That's right. But maybe if we all drive toward the other penguins, Mohawk will follow. Great idea. Let's give it a try. Mohawk, just follow us and we'll make sure you get back to your friends and family safely. Just like you made sure I got back to my friends. Good boy. You can do this. Remember. I see penguin families waddling close to the sea. Let's get this vehicle moving. Head north toward the migrating penguin colony, and we're going to see if this little guy will follow us. Keep it nice and slow. You got it, Dr. Miller. Look, it's working. Mohawk is following us. He's just so cute. What a brave little guy. Dr. Miller, once we get Mohawk back to the colony, how will we be able to find his family? He does have a funny little Mohawk but he looks a lot like all the other young penguins. Good question. Each penguin chick has a distinctive call. That's how the parents can tell their chick from all the other young penguins. So, once he catches up with the colony, his parents will be able to recognize him by the sounds he makes. Being able to recognize their chicks is very important once the parents are able to leave the chicks on their own. After about three months of around-the-clock care from their parents, penguin chicks are big enough to form their own circle, which we call a creche to stay warm while their parents return to the ocean to feed. Each time the parents return, they call out for their chick. If another chick approaches them, the parents will refuse to feed it. Wait, Dr. Miller, stop! Reading Pug, what is it? Look, Mohawk has stopped following us. He's just standing there, falling further and further behind. Jonathan, 
Stop the vehicle, please. Let's all hop out and see if we can see what the problem is. Oh no. Oh no? Oh, no? Yes, it's exactly what I was hoping we wouldn't see today. Look there, between us and Mohawk. Do you see what I see? Oh, yes, just along the edge of the water. What is that? It looks like a giant gray sea monster. It has huge jaws and pointy teeth, and it's looking hungrily at poor little Mohawk. Exactly. That's a leopard seal that has broken through the melting ice. Oh no! I read that leopard seals eat almost everything they catch, including penguins. I don't think Mohawk has a chance if that seal catches him in its giant jaws. What can we do? I'm afraid there's not much we can do, Reading Bug. Leopard seals are vicious creatures. They're the second largest species of seal in Antarctica, and they have a strong and dangerous bite. We shouldn't go any closer, or he may choose to attack us instead. I remember reading that leopard seals have very few natural predators, too. Only killer whales prey on leopard seals. Is that right? Right. I'm afraid poor Mohawk is on his own. And his best bet, I think, is to run as fast as he can. Wait. Dr. Miller, if killer whales prey on leopard seals, what if we tried to sound like a killer whale in order to scare the nasty seal away? I don't know. It could work, I suppose. And it definitely couldn't hurt. Let's give it a try. It may be poor Mohawk's only hope. Killer whales are not fish, and they're also not whales. They're actually a kind of dolphin. A long time ago, sailors called them whale killers because they killed and ate whales and other marine mammals. But over time, their name changed to killer whales. So do they sound a bit like dolphins? We have a few dolphin friends, and we've learned a little bit from them. Yes, you're absolutely right, Reading Bug. Killer whales are orca, a type of dolphin. So they use clicks and whistles and calls to communicate. It can sound a lot like singing, very similar to dolphins. To sound like a killer whale, you can whistle, like this. Make a clicking noise, like this. or screech, like this. What neat sounds! Quickly, choose which sound you want to make, a whistle, a click, or a screech, and let's do it together and see if we can distract or scare that leopard seal. Lauren, reader, let's try it together on the count of three, okay? One, two, three. <laughs> Look, that leopard seal definitely heard us. He's looking away from Mohawk and trying to figure out where the sounds are coming from. Quickly, let's try it all again. One, two, three. Whoa, what is that? Look, an enormous black and white animal just leapt out of the water next to the leopard seal. <gasps> is that a killer whale? I think so, Lauren. That leopard seal just got the scare of his life. He's forgotten all about Mohawk and is quickly heading back into the sea. Mohawk is safe. That killer whale just saved the day. Shh, look. The killer whale is back. He's sticking his head out of the water and... Listen, I think he's trying to tell us something. Hello. Lauren? Reading bug? So nice to meet you all. 
I hope I didn't scare you too badly, little penguin. I just love penguins. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not to eat. <laughs> no, one of my very best friends is a little penguin just like you. Don't worry. My name is Franklin, and I'm an orca. Killer whale just sounds so mean. I received word from my cousins, Danny, Donnie, Denny, and Dora, that you might be in need of some help. And it looks like I got here just in time. Franklin? That's the name of a whale in one of my favorite books, Little Penguin Gets the Hiccups, by Tag Bentley. That book must have been written about Franklin and his friend. And did you say you know our dolphin friends, Danny, Denny, Donnie, and Dora? That's right! We dolphins have quite an underwater network of relatives, and the four Ds, oh, that's Danny, Denny, Donnie, and Dora to you, clicked and whistled to send me word that you'd be visiting my neck of the woods, or should I say, my neck of the ocean. They also mentioned that you might need some help, because you've run into trouble on your past adventures. I was in the waters nearby, and when I heard your call, I came as fast as I could. Oh, wow! Thanks so much for your help, Franklin. You got here just in the nick of time. Yeah, if you hadn't arrived, Little Mohawk would not have survived the leopard seal attack, and this adventure would not have had a happily ever after ending. Thank you so much for your assistance. It was my pleasure. It's always a good day when I get to frighten a pesky leopard seal. It's even better when I get to eat one. <laughs> oh, but I'll leave that for another time. And look, it's the rest of Mohawk's colony. They're just up ahead, and Mohawk is sliding on the ice on his belly to catch up with them. He's found his family by using his special, unique call. Goodbye, Mohawk. Thanks for all your help. Good luck. Franklin, how can we ever repay you? Without your help, little Mohawk would have been that leopard seal's lunch for sure. Since you asked, I do have a small request. I'm no great rapper like my dolphin cousins. I prefer orchestra, actually. Uh, not as good at comedy as those four dolphins either, I guess. Anywho, I'd like to lay down a little rap for you, but I'm going to need some help carrying the beat. Orca like me communicate with whistles, clicks, and pops, and I'm going to need you to click and pop along with me. Just like this. Can you do it too? I don't know, but we can try. Can't we, reader? Great! Now, you asked how you could repay me for my help? Well... Antarctica is meant to be shared by all. Humans and animals, the large and the small. For humans like you, it's a place to study ice. And for mammals in the sea like me, it's our paradise. But ice here helps Mohawk and other penguins to thrive. It's melting much too fast and they may not survive. The fish and krill that feed the birds and mammals like me may not stick around in the fast warming sea. So promise me you'll tell the stories of our rising waters to help us save this fragile place for our sons and daughters. And promise you'll be kind to the ocean and the air to keep Antarctica a special place that we can share. Yay! That was a great rap, Franklin. Yeah, you're every bit as good as Danny, Donnie, Denny, and Dora. Great work. Oh, I'm not done yet. You asked what you could do to repay me? Well, you're going to have to join in. Repeat after me. 
We promise that we'll tell the stories of these rising waters. We promise that we'll tell the stories of these rising waters. To help to save this fragile place for all our sons and daughters. To help to save this fragile place for all our sons and daughters. We promise we'll be kind to the ocean and the air. We promise we'll be kind to the ocean and the air. To keep Antarctica a special place we all can share. To keep Antarctica a special place we all can share. Franklin, we promise we'll do that and more. And we'll draw pictures to illustrate the stories we tell. We'll do whatever we can to spread your message and keep Antarctica as beautiful and full of penguins, killer whales, and other animals as it is today. Thank you so much for your help. And please say hello to Danny, Denny, Donnie, and Dora for us. Of course I will. I'm so happy I was able to give you a warm whale-come to Antarctica and to help you and your little penguin friend. Now don't just stand there blubbering. I've got to go. Until next time, my friends. That was amazing. Are all your adventures as exciting as this? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And thankfully, we are able to give Little Mohawk a happy ending with the help of Franklin, of course. That's right, Reading Bug. Together, we found the penguin colony, rescued the young penguins, and helped avert disaster when the leopard seal attacked. All in a day's work here in Antarctica. Dr. Miller, thanks so much for taking us to the penguins today and for your expertise. This adventure was even better than I could have imagined. If you don't mind though, I think it's time for us to be heading back home. It's been a full day of adventures and excitement and we need to get back to our families. Of course, it was a long day for me too and I'm looking forward to getting back to McMurdo and taking a long, hot bath. It was such a pleasure meeting you and working together to solve each problem we faced. That's right. Great work, everybody. Best of luck with the long Antarctic winter, Dr. Miller. Goodbye. Look, reader, the reading bug is opening her book bag and it's getting bigger and bigger, big enough to fit us all inside. Okay, are you ready? Penguins may not be able to fly, but we can. Let's all flap our wings and fly back home together. Hop three times with me, then into my book bag. Here we go. One hop, two hop, three hops, and we're in. We've had a big adventure within our book bag, and I think we saved the day. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, book bag. Now it's time to fly away. Look, reader. The bright white of the snow and frozen oceans of Antarctica is fading away. And so is Dr. Miller's Hagland and the colony of Emperor Penguins. This was an adventure I'll never forget. That's right. We visited the McMurdo Station in Antarctica, saved a trapped bunch of young penguins, and even met a killer whale, Franklin. And I won't forget when I got a case of the mumbles from the cold and almost lost you in the wind and snow, Reading Bug. Or when Little Mohawk saved me and waddled me back to you. And we couldn't have done it without you, Reader. Thanks for your hard work rescuing the penguins today. Reader, what parts of today's adventure do you remember the most? What illustrations will you draw to show your friends and family? If you had fun on today's adventure and want to have even more adventures in Antarctica, you can read any of the books in my book bag. A complete list can be found at thereadingbug.com adventures. We're back! I'm sure looking forward to some warmer weather. 
Bugs like me aren't built for the sub-freezing temperatures of Antarctica. <laughs> You're right. We are back. Until our next adventure, that is. Thanks for joining us on this adventure, reader, and for all the work you did to help keep me, the reading bug, and all those penguins safe. When you're a reader, you're a leader. You're ready to learn about everything as you grow. You'll show this world that you can be anything. You could write a book or fly a plane. Build a house with a giant crane. Whatever you do, one thing will be true. There's nothing you can't do. You can see it through just by being you. Cause you're a reader, you're a leader You're ready to learn about everything as you grow You'll show this world that you can be anything You could sing your way into a Broadway show Don't let anyone tell you no Whatever you do, one thing will be true There's nothing you can't do You can make your dreams come true Just by being you Thank you for adventuring in the cold and ice of Antarctica with us today, reader. That was a really exciting trip. The reading bug and I have got to be going, but I'm already looking forward to next time. I'll see you again soon. Goodbye, until our next adventure together. It's a reading bug adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper and your too. The reading bug and I can't wait to share our trip with you. Today's episode is sponsored by Familias Publishing and their books, Let's Make Yoga Magic and She Spoke, 14 Women Who Raised Their Voices and Changed the World. Thanks to Familias for all your support and thank you for joining our adventure today. I'm Lauren Savage and today's adventure was an original story written by Diane and Brandon Savage. This episode was performed by me and Chloe Savage and by Shannon Shern and Aaron Nafak. Original music was written by me, Diane Savage, and Ross Gruet. Sound mixing and mastery was done by Resonate Recordings. The Reading Bug is a family-owned independent bookstore in California, and we're passionate about educating, entertaining, and engaging children of all ages. Learn more about us at thereadingbug.com and our personalized subscription box service at readingbugbox.com. And please support passion, expertise, and creativity in children's literature by continuing to shop with us or other local independent booksellers. Thank you. Goodbye.
Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? (laughs) We've got The Cure, three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.